Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Let's talk about, let's talk about <laughs> let's this talk one. Let's talk about our podcast, our, yeah. our show. Our show where we do shows. Yeah, well, that's right. sporadically, sometimes. <laughs> uh, hi folks, welcome to Zompocalypse Now. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. Or what's and left of him. You survived. You did not waste away into death. That's true. I did live. So, you know, that's nice. So yes, we were off last week, unplanned off last week, because Dustin was sick. Yes, I was I was very ill. I had I had the flu, which is different from the stomach flu, and then there's a Facebook meme going around about it. So if you have any questions about what exactly I was dealing with, you can you can probably look at your Facebook page and and find it. But there's a whole list of like this is what people have when they have the stomach flu, and this is what they have when they have the flu. So I thought that was very interesting. Not really, but you know, I'm wasting five minutes on it. Why not? <laughs> well, luckily you are feeling better. Definitely. Because we are back, and it's time to talk about things that happen <laughs> on The Walking Dead. Right. Because a lot, a lot of things happen tonight. Well, a lot of things happen tonight. Not so much last week. No, last week was another set up, set up the world kind of right. episode and establish yeah. where things are. Well, not only that, but uh, it was it was very much like um, the the dumbest, easiest to to decipher murder mystery of all the dumb, easy to decipher murder mysteries on TV. <laughs> like halfway through, uh, I was like, "Oh, I I know." I was and I was dying. I was like, "I figured out who's done it. Who who the done it is?" Like. It's super obvious, and and then it was exactly who I thought it was. So here's my so here's my question for you, and and this is this is sort of a philosophical question. Uh-huh. So what happened last week, of course, is that we discovered that the, the women from Riverside had taken it upon themselves to take revenge on the men uh, from or of the people, the all the people from Sanctuary who killed their men. Oh, that's true. True, right. And they've been picking them off one by one. So the so the folks from the sanctuary who have been missing, who've been disappearing, have all been being murdered. Right. By the women from, uh, from Riverside. Riverside. Right. River. Oceanside. 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 Rivers. Riverside is a is a neighborhood. Right. <laughs> oh, that's a different thing. So, um, so here's here's my philosophical question, which plays into this week's episode quite a bit. Okay. Uh, which is. Vigilante justice, in terms of pop culture, is a very common thing. I mean, True. Batman, for crying out loud. Uh, the idea of of the, the person who takes up the mantle of, of the Avenger when the legal system or the police or whatever can't, you know, do it. It's, it's, it's an it's a ongoing part of, of pop culture that's been around for as long as there have been people writing things down. Yes. So here we have a situation where there is a justifiable reason for these women to be furious and angry and enraged and desiring revenge. But we're also in a place where the people who everyone seem to look up to, even if they don't always follow them as well as you know Rick would like, they all seem to be looking up to these these our, our main characters right. as the leaders, who are espousing, with the exception of of people like Maggie, most of the time, um, they're espousing the idea that we have to move past this and build a mm-hmm. world. And so, on one hand, you have let's build a better world. We have to put the past. The, the war is over. This is what happens in wars. You don't kill. The losing side, you you incorporate them into the new world. You yeah. have to, but then you also have these women who are justifiably filled with rage and justifiably want to take some sort of final justice on the people who destroyed their lives and took their loved ones and and 
basically, you know, treated them, were treating them like property. I mean, this is, is, is there a, and, and this may, this may play out on this show, but do you, I have a really hard time thinking that these two mindsets are even remotely compatible. Here's here's what I noticed. What I got kept getting drawn back to, uh, with when when I, re- I was realizing that it was Oceanside and that that these these women basically they had a, I feel like they had a good reason to uh, to want revenge. I think anyone who wants revenge on the saviors probably has a good re- good reason to want revenge on the saviors. And I also kind of have this this it's like. This is the this is like Rwanda, you know, or or apartheid South Africa at the end of those conflicts where, okay, this horrible thing, horrible things were perpetrated on people, on our on the population by a group of people. And now the conflict is over, and we have to figure out how to move on and you know in both in both rwanda and in south africa they had to to figure out like a way like because because in rwanda like neighbors just like all of a sudden one day just turned on their neighbors and started butchering them you know and then when the conflict was over they had to like look at each other and figure out how are you going to live your life knowing that at any moment the people you know the people that you thought you could trust could just decide to kill you you know and and did you do you did you remember did you ever watch finding hillywood um that was uh that was a movie a documentary about uh people who survived the genocide and then went on to make movies about it and in some cases like used real soldiers who who perpetrated who participated in the genocide to uh to reenact their own parts and stuff and and how that became a healing thing for everyone to like to try and come back together and it's very very good i would suggest you see it um oh and it's just but it's it's the question you have to ask yourself um or that a society has to ask ask itself uh when it when it comes to uh what how do we move on from this conflict that we've had how do we move on from from now we've all survived now we've survived there there are survivors on both sides how do we move on from that and like we've been talking about for the last however long our communities have not been making a great choice like they should have made these choices they've been should have been talking about this way before before maggie decided to hang gregory like five six months into the new world order they should have been like okay how are we dealing with this but i kind of understand that that and especially after this last episode i get that like there was no discussion because rick just put it out of his mind to have a discussion you know that's what one of the main things i got of the episode we watched tonight was oh rick just was like nope we're not talking about this, you know. Well, and and yeah, no, and and I, I I think you're right. I think that it all it also called back to me an early, and I can't even remember which season it was, but it was some at some point, uh, maybe five, season five or season six or somewhere in there, mm-hmm. where Rick actually say, said to them, "I never asked to be in charge." Yeah, you guys just all started following me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't want this, and you guys won't let me be, you know, you guys won't let me not be this. Right. And so there were some, yeah, there's some really interesting conversations that were happening tonight. And I think that uh, there is, 
I, as much as much as I appreciate the fact that they felt like they needed a couple episodes to bring us into this world, and and sort of establish the where people are and what's going on and what this you know what the conflicts are and all those things, I almost got more of a sense of, or maybe as much a sense of what's going on in say you know in in just Michonne's head, for, which they focused on initially, uh, with what's going on with her with her trying to reconcile. You know the the domesticity, yeah, that they're trying to build with this world versus the pressures and and adrenaline rush of the last several years of just having to try and survive, mm-hmm. which leads into her conversation with Negan. Uh, in one of this is actually one of my favorite Negan exchanges because while there's the bluster is there. It's also tempered by the fact he can't do anything with it. Oh, yeah. I really, I actually enjoyed this interaction with Negan myself, especially considering that it felt like, like Michonne was on equal footing with him. And it seems like every time that they put him in a room with somebody, uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to talk circles around you. And they're just, they get all flustered and weird. And Michonne's just like, I'm not, I'm not playing your dumb game. I'm not playing your game today. Well, she's very non- she's always been a very no nonsense character, mm-hmm. and she's not somebody who has ever given the impression that she's really susceptible to word games mm-hmm. and to you know I'm going to be I, I'm just I'm going to do my best to talk you know rings around you I'm going to do my best to right. to basically gaslight you into thinking the way I want you to think, and so yeah, I was kind of like. She's like, oh, you just keep talking. You just keep talking. Me and my sister went and saw Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah. And there's a very similar scene in that. Um, uh, there's a character on the sh- on, in the movie. Uh, Bad Times at the El Royale is great. It's, it's, if you haven't seen it, you should go. Um, essentially what it is is about, you know, it's about this these seven people who all have secrets that they would kill to protect and they all check into the same hotel on the same night and then they kill to protect their secrets <laughs> it's really really good um, but there's a scene where Chris Helmsworth and uh, the woman whose name I am not um, remembering she plays the singer the soul singer um, mm-hmm. and he's talking to her and she's just like stop it I've known your type my whole life. You're not going to get one over to me, you know, over on me just by talking. So I'm done. I'm done having this conversation with you. <laughs> and it's just really good. It was very, very similar to the way uh, uh, Michonne did with Negan tonight. Just like, no, nope, not having this conversation with you. <laughs> Well, you know, I think I think that Negan made the mistake of thinking that he could go with the sort of bluster that works well, and I, and, and I don't know if this is this is this is a male female thing where he thinks that because he's does he you know he doesn't seem to view women necessarily as threats in the way that he views men. Uh-huh. And Which is a mistake. I think definitely the biggest mistake that he's made, because well, um... yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, and you've got uh, you know, just turn Carol and, and Michonne loose on on <laughs> Negan. I mean that that was really Rick's biggest mistake was just not going to the two of them and say, you know, <laughs> could you take care of this, hell? please? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 a very interesting interesting set of scenes um, that we have with people talking about the world they live in, and it's not it's not just Rick and Negan. It's also I'm sorry, uh, Michonne and Negan. It's also Rick and mm-hmm. Daryl. And I thought that was also an interesting thing because these are two people who are not antagonists. They are not enemies of each other. They're people who care about each other very yeah. strongly. And they're very much on opposite sides of the argument. Right. 
it was it was very interesting to see their interaction tonight. I thought that it was a really good. Um, I thought theirs their theirs was really good about how like you know they are they don't agree and they're gonna fight because they don't agree, but they're also family and they love each other and they're not going to you know they're going to try to protect try to protect each other and they you know at the end of the episode when they were like all right you go that way i'm going to go this way uh you know good luck or whatever it was <laughs> like try not to die like yeah okay you know <laughs> and it was like weren't we just fighting well, yeah. cuz you didn't want me to get away from you like <laughs> an hour ago you know Right, so basically what happens this week, since we're talking about it in, in the parts that we yeah. like without actually giving any context, is where we left off oh, last yeah. week was uh, basically Maggie saying, uh, I'm going to go to Alexandria, and I'm just going to, this, this, this nonsense we need over, I'm going to kill done. him. And this is just going to be, you know, I'm not, his, his staying alive is basically... You know, a way to for the folks at Sanctuary to have something to strive for, right. to reminisce about, to have this figure that they can sit there and go, "It was better when Negan was here," uh, which is not, mm-hmm. you know, objectively true. Uh, well, okay, eh, eh, from their point of view, you, they could argue that it might have been, but anyway. Uh, so that's where we ended up after basically having, and then we got so we got the bridge, which is. Uh, not right. necessarily going so well, which I kind of, ha- which I kind of had some trouble with, but we can talk about that. Talk about that later. Uh, and then, so that's kind of what we kick off with, which is she's getting ready to leave, right, uh, Hilltop, and Jesus is like, you know, I'm not sure this is the best of all possible mm-hmm. ideas you've got going. I think you might be making a mistake. And she's like, mm, maybe. But this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And so she goes, so she leaves, and he sends word to Rick to stop her. And Daryl is like, hey, you know, of course, unfortunately, when Rick sends word to, like, to, like, out, out you know, to intercept her, uh, she, the person on radio is, is an Oceanside person. It's that stupid girl who, like, was, who Tara was always flipping off. And uh, right. and so she doesn't send the message on, and so Daryl's like, "I can give you a ride," and Rick's like, "Sure thing, buddy, let's go." And uh, uh, and then they pass the the cutoff, and Rick's like, "What are you doing? Stop the car!" And then they fight and fall in a hole. <laughs> oh, yes, they did. And uh, uh. Oh, there's an important piece of backstory here, or like a scene setting that we need to we need to point out is that there's also these two herds of walkers that are headed in the general direction, but they haven't merged together to be something that's overwhelming. Oh, right, yeah. So that's a concern they have, and so this hole that they fall into also happens to be close enough to one of these herds, I guess, because there's like this steady stream after they after they start climbing out there's like a steady stream of walkers falling well, in on top of them because apparently there's a big fight over at the bridge work site and the saviors decide to rebel and they're gonna go kill the oceanside women and uh and there's a gunfight that we don't see the resolution of where carol and the the uh the savior with the really bad hair that she ended up not killing last week um are you know, there's like a gunfight, and you can just kind of hear it, and 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 Rick even says that noise is going to draw the walkers, and then it do. So at this point, they're both in the hole, and they have the argument, where the discussion of Rick's basically saying this is how it's going to be, yeah, without anybody, without really taking input, and Rick's response is. You guys keep looking to me for decisions, so I made them. Right, basically. I know nobody ever asked me to be the leader. But then Daryl points out that, you know, Rick doesn't trust them to... Make those decisions. Like, he he keeps saying I don't want to be the leader. And uh, I never asked anyone to follow me. 
And then, then Daryl says, uh, hang on, I'm looking at the TV right now and it's happening. But maybe you should have, uh, you know, uh, so whatever, whatever, Daryl. Yeah, see, that's going to be the problem next, you know, after next week and Rick dies and Daryl's stuck in charge. <laughs> Oops. See, and I, so, so we'll get to that, we'll get to that in a minute. We can talk about what my, my, my thoughts on where we, where I thought we were going. Um, and we might still be going there, but uh, maybe not. So, so they get themselves out of the hole. Right. And meanwhile, while all this is going on, or about to go on, actually, because there's, there's so much of this stuff is happening at relatively the same time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to tell exactly where things fall, because The Walking Dead does not know how to deal with time. Yeah. Uh, or establish when things are actually happening. Why would, why would you so, do that? Uh, I don't know. I've, I, I used to have ideas that things should make sense, <laughs> clearly. I, I used to, give up to on think that things would, should happen in order. That's just clearly crazy, Doc. So, so Negan has not been eating, and so while Michonne has been having these sort of this sort of existential crisis, where during the day she's enjoying family time with Rick and little little ass kicker, and who is an adorable little moppet child who is clearly dead, <laughs> and and. So, but at at night she can't sleep, and so she goes out and she kills. She Walker. killed him. And there's this interesting, you know, there's this there's a struggle in her between this this world that doesn't have this violence and the world that she's been living for the last several years, which is this world of uh-huh. violence. And I think it, they they I thought they shot it beautifully, and I thought it was really well done again another one of those walking dead sequences without a lot right. of dialogue uh that they they when they do them really well they are really good it's this place where you know she's kind of being asked to have authority mm-hmm. and yet you know her outlet is to go out in the middle of the night and chop dead things into little tiny pieces well frankly they should never have stopped like there should always be a patrol out like like we've talked about this before it should be um there should be a work group, a work detail at at the sanctuary. People should not be living there full time. It should be a work detail there, mm-hmm. and then there should be also a work detail out all the time clearing walkers. One hundred percent. Like that's just what they do. And yeah, no, you're right. There should definitely be this this group of people out there doing this, which apparently they're not doing for reasons. So while Michonne's out there. She has a. She comes out and she finds this guy hanging from a tree, a walker uh-huh. hanging from a tree, and like literally hanging, like with a noose. And she's sort of transfixed and horrified, and also kind of wondering who did this. Well, unfortunately, because walkers only make sound when they're you know dramatically appropriate, which is not how the world works. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, suddenly, she's attacked by walkers, and she is almost overwhelmed until she loses her sword, and she's almost overwhelmed until she finds Lucille. Was that Lucille? I, I've watched it twice, and I couldn't tell if that was actually Lucille or if that was just a bat. Well, it was either it was either Lucille or it was somebody's Lucille knockoff. Did it have it was barbecue, the bargain, did it have bar, like barbed wire on it? I, I thought it I, did have barbed wire. I watched wire it the it. second time I watched it. I watched it specifically looking for barbed wire. It's a dark scene, and so it's it may it you know I, I may have misread it and or, or you haven't, but in any event, mm-hmm. it's a bat, and it's certainly symbolic of Negan in in that sense. And so, you know, when she when she's told that Negan is basically just not eating, she's like, oh, "I'll take yeah. care of it." And so she goes down there with food. She's like, you know, the hunger strike thing isn't really going to work. And he's like, I'm not on hunger strike. I'm just not feeling like eating right now. And she's like, yeah, so you're going to (laughs) eat. Do not argue with me for I am Michonne. (laughs) Uh, But then he's like, well, I'd like to play, if it's okay with you, I'd like to play some mind games for a minute. 
can we play some mind games? And she's like, uh, fine. But then she uh, realizes they're mind games and leaves. But then she realizes that was a mind game and then comes back. Yeah, so he starts talking about, well, he, he says, look, you know, uh, it's all well and good that you guys think I'm like your pet morality pet. Um, but, you know, it's not going to change the horribleness of the world. You know, I, I used to have a really nice wife and she was really cool and I loved her and she was great. She was better than I ever deserved. And, and, but, you know, she made, she wasn't strong enough and, but she made me strong. And, and Michonne's like, oh, wait, I keep forgetting you actually were a human at one point. And what was your wife like? And he says, well, she was amazing. She was great. And, uh, but, but, you know. She died. And, it's probably better that she died. And Michonne's like, well, what happened? And she goes, oh, that thing that used to happen to us. She died of cancer. And I was like, ooh, interesting point. You know, it's like... Yeah, before. Back when we were we were like, oh, no. You know, cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so he's... I, I Again, this whole scene with him. You know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think, did a really fan, does a really fantastic job as Negan anyway. But Negan, the character is best served in his quiet moments. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the bluster is an act. It's it's like really, it's kind of like dealing with Ezekiel when he's on stage. You know, it's a performance. Yeah. And so these moments where he's, 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 he's still playing to an audience of one, but he's, right. he's got it toned down to the point where, you know, because he's always scheming. But, you know, he explains that, that she died. And he goes, you lost somebody, too. Oh, no, no. He said, he goes, we didn't have any kids. We wish we could. And I would have loved to have a kid like Carl. And Michonne's like, yeah, you know, maybe you shouldn't talk about Carl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're building a new world. And I've got a daughter now. And I'm building a world for her and every other child. Well, I'm glad somebody mentioned Judith. Honestly, like... You know, finally somebody's like, oh, right, you know, we're not just living our lives for the memory of Carl. There was actually another kid around here. Interestingly enough, in the Daryl and Rick discussion, Rick talks about, you know, if we don't, if we kill Negan, then then we've lost everything because we the people died for nothing because Carl wanted, thought Negan should live. And, and... You know, all the people died for nothing, and Carl died for nothing. And so, for all that Ricky, Rick is looking forward to the future and building this world, he's doing it because of the past. Right. And Michonne is talking about building the world for the future, for, for what's going to come. Yes, the mm-hmm. past matters, but I thought it was a nice contrast between the two worldviews, especially considering that Rick is going to be gone. Yes. And his way of running things isn't exactly working right now. Right. And, the you know, his inability to let things go, you know, because that's the first thing, the first thing Rick hears is, <coughs> pardon me, is the bridge is not going to work. We thought the bridge was going to work, but, you know, the water is too, too strong and the pylons are not, are not strong enough and... You know, and it's just not going to, it's it's not, it's not going to survive. And he's like, no, we've got to finish the bridge. Okay, so, so now let's talk about the bridge for a second. Because I'm listening to this, and I realize I am not a construction person. I, I am not an engineer. I've never built a bridge. Except, bridges have been around for a very long time. There are certain yes. basic principles in bridge building, which... You could actually get just from reading a book. And so I, I guess I was a little confused about why it, the bridge had to be right where it was. Is there a better place to build the bridge? That the problems they're running into wouldn't be there. They would be nearby. Um, what exactly are the issues? I was kind of under the impression that they were building the bridge where they were building the bridge because that's where the bridge used to be. Well, yeah, I, and, and I get that. But the things, I don't know, it's just, it felt, it felt like they're, the bridge is going to, you know, everything, all our work is going to be undone because of this flash flood situation that happened where uh, a, a, 
a barrier got taken out, so there's a lot more water running down right down it right now. Right. And I'm like, okay, nobody thought about this. Nobody thought about the water level being higher or lower when they were building this and how it's going to have to deal with it and this could happen. I mean, isn't Eugene supposed to be like the smart person who thinks about this? It's a bridge. It's a bridge. <laughs> it's a bridge. A bridge is two beams and planks across it, okay? Right. And... And I realize there's a lot more to that on an engineering level, and that there's weight, there's weights and, and, and load variances, and all these different and things. Points and counterpoints, and all this stuff, and dangling participles. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. There's lots of stuff going on, but nobody's, you know, like, why can't we just, why can't we do a suspension bridge? I don't. I just, you I, know. Yeah, I was just really. I confused. think there were points. Points when it looked like it was a suspension bridge. I yeah. feel like there used to be some 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 things that made it look like it was going to be a suspension bridge. Those were all gone this week. Well, and looking at the, looking at what we saw last week and the week before for the for or especially the week before when we spent some time on the bridge, it looked pretty done. I mean, it looked you know pretty pretty well along the way, and so I mean, I was just I was like, okay, well, suddenly the bridge is no longer a viable option. I'm like. Okay, that just seems a little out of out of nowhere to me. I don't know. I just it. Well, the bridge is a metaphor. Everything's a metaphor. The bridge is going to fail. Everybody says the bridge is going to fail. Well, Rick wants the bridge. Rick Rick is going to fight for the bridge. He thinks the bridge will work, but nobody else thinks the bridge is going to work. But even the expert says the bridge is going to fail. But Rick thinks the bridge is going to work, and so you know. That's where we are now. Is we're we're dealing with this giant. <laughs> we're building a giant metaphor. <laughs> you know, we have no choice. Rick's gonna be dead next week, and so we better damn well figure it out. <laughs> so they're gonna build. They're gonna build the bridge for Rick, right? Is that what's yeah. gonna happen? Is that that the bridge is gonna be built for Rick, thus cementing the we're doing it because of the past and not because of looking to the future. Right. This is is this the lesson we want to take away? I well, I have I problem. have a theory about what's going to happen next week, but again, we So uh, so do I. Yeah. So so while this is going on, um you know, Michonne and and Negan are having this discussion and Negan starts asking about Michonne's the the child that Michonne lost. And Michonne's like, "Well, you know what? Really don't want to talk to you about this." And he's like, you're just like me. And she's like, no, I'm really not. (laughs) And that's the point where she basically storms off and then turns around and comes right back and goes, ha, 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 nice try, jackass. You thought you could, you thought you had me. But I am smarter than you and I'm, you know, and I am smarter than you. Um, And I think that's, I think that's, Michonne is very much an action hero character i mean she gets out there with her sword and she's a badass and it and i think that well certainly we you're not going to forget that she's a very intelligent character she doesn't have the opportunity to go up against somebody like negan toe-to-toe in terms of a back and forth with you know clash of wills clash of intellects that's not something they give the character a lot a chance to do a lot and so I really liked the fact that, you know, she's, here's, you know, Negan thinks he's really, really good at playing these sort of mind games. And Michonne's just like, come get some. And <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think this might be like, isn't this maybe the first time the two of them have have had any kind of like real interaction like that? I don't recall anything specific. Or, I'm sure that they, I'm sure that in the last 18 months they had, but... We were not given anything between or between uh, Negan and Michonne. Not like this. Before not like this. this. Not with a yeah. not with a sort of sit down, one on one, face to face. You know, let's see which of us is going to crack in in the face of the other. And uh, spoiler alert: uh, it's not Michonne. Right. She does not crack, and as she points out, you know, yes, I lost my family. And now I have a new one, and I'm building a new world, and you're part of the old world, and, you know, tough. You're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And so then she realizes that Negan is kind of doing a roundabout 
where is my bat thing. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you're seriously asking me about your bat. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so uh, periodically it is interesting to think about the the way that Negan is broken. Yeah. And he is broken in thinking that he has to be that he really thinks he's he thinks he's building a better world or at least right. uh, oh, the world that has to be built for for you know what what's happened to it. But he right. also is he has transferred his love of his wife to a piece of wood wrapped in barbed wire. This <laughs> is I pretty It's a problem. It's a problem. There might be a DSM-4 entry. I'm not sure, uh, but there might be something in along the lines of transference. Uh, but, you know, whatever his psychological issue is, he is broken. And I think that, right. you know, for, for all the fact that Negan is a horrific monster of a human being, he's also a very broken person. Scenes like this, you're like, you're right there with Michelle going, seriously, you're and and then when she tells him we don't have it it's out there right. somewhere we don't know where it is and he freaks out <laughs> bashes his head into the wall and all sorts of stuff because you know this is the the bat is a symbol for him of someone he has lost and now he's lost that yeah and you know again for all the fact that he's just a monster of a person He's so severely damaged that, you know, this is this does not excuse, does not excuse anything that right. he's done. You know, that's, that is not remotely an excuse. But at the same time... But it gives us something. It, it, you know, we're, you know, it gives us another, it's just another little piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and, and you, you, I don't, I don't think you're being realistically asked to empathize with the man, but... You do have a a way of understanding that he's there's there's a there are more layers to him than just being the cookie cutter villain, right? Which is good. That's and I hope I hope they can explore that without the bluster when they finally let him out because you know that's that's where we're headed. Yeah, because Negan Negan wandering around in the community. When Maggie gets there. There's going to be a confrontation between getting him out. Now, I think that might be put on hold, what with the whole, you know, Rick getting impaled at the side of the road. Right. Um, because, because this fight, because, because, well, again, we have to step back here a second. But Carol has come to Rick earlier in the episode and saying, we're done with the sanctuary. You know, yeah, I'm, we I'm, have to be. We have to be done with the sanctuary. Not she. It's it's the way she says it is not. You know, oh, we're we're. I'm done. I'm done. And she's just like, no, we have got. They have got to be the ones to decide who they're going to be. Right. And again, this is a conversation that should have happened months ago, a year and a half into the post-war period is not when you have these conversations. Yeah, and, and, you know, we should have figured out that this wasn't going to work way before this. Yeah. So... Do we even talk about what happened with Carol yet? No, I don't think so. So, so she's packing up. They're packing up the, the work site, and they're basically they're abandoning the bridge for now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the saviors who have already left come back, and one of them has a gun. And he's he says, like, I figured it out. I figured out that Oceanside was killing us, and now we're at war, and I need the guns, and I'm going to go and take them out. And Carol's like, no, you're not. No, <laughs> no you're not. And, and he's basically like, don't you – he's like, you're just a weak woman, and blah, 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 blah. And the look on Carol's face, the murder look on her face, like, she's like, I understand that you have a gun pointed at my, my clavicle. But, oh, you have no idea what you are about to unleash. And uh, and so he goes and takes the keys off of her belt, and so then she kicks kicks his leg out from under him. And then, then the gun, that's the when the gunfire starts that draws the walkers. Now, that scene just, I just rewatched it. I, you know, got it on mute here. And, uh, 
and he was the only savior with a gun. The rest of them had like axes and machetes and whatever. And all of the like oceanside people and hilltop people and kingdom people, they all had the guns. So I have a feeling that <laughs> this, the saviors did not make it out, make it make a very good uh, stand <laughs> stand there. Well, I guess that's one way of solving the pro- quote unquote problem of of sanctuary, but not the ideal one, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. No, going up against Carol is is really not a very bright idea. And yeah, although she did, she did, she did not want for it to go down that. No, way. well, because Carol, for all the fact that Carol is extremely good at the killing, yeah, that's not what Carol would really like to be all the time. So yeah, yeah, but, yeah. What an idiot! <laughs> right. Oh, buddy, you're going to (laughs) die. The only way we would be more certain that you were going to die is if you were a little, a toe-headed prepubescent. (laughs) That's the the only kind of person that, that, that has worse luck with Carol than assholes. Like, abusive assholes and adorable moppets. (laughs) You know. Somewhere along the spectrum... Yeah, no, it's 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 a bad choice for him. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end well for Rick either because they hear the shots, they get out of the hole, and you have that moment where, which I thought was, eh, it was a touch heavy-handed when Rick held out his hand to Daryl and said, "Take my hand, brother." Um, I was like, uh-huh. "Okay, that's a little on the nose." I mean, I didn't, I didn't. Well, I was watching honestly. I was watching that scene, and I because he was like focused one hundred percent on Daryl. And, like, his arm is the thing that I was waiting for. And then they've been fighting these walkers off this whole time. I was waiting for one to sink their teeth into his wrist mm. right there. You know? Oh, yeah. I was. That's what I was waiting for. I was so tense. That was such a good minute for me where he was trying to pull Daryl out of that hole. Because I was like, oh, no. Here it's happening. Well, because, I mean, you, know. you actually had you had a pit full of walkers. You have walkers outside the pit. You have two people who are, you know, somebody whose feet is dangling inches above walkers. You have two characters who you know one is leaving, and you don't necessarily think that there's any way that Daryl could possibly get bit. Right. But at the same time, it was shot really well. It was framed really well. The, the tension was there. And I would have been like, you know, I did recall that Norman Reedus said, that he and Andrew Lincoln made a deal that if one of them left the show, the other one did too. Oh, really? Yeah, they really did. And this is something that Andrew Lincoln told Norman Reedus, no, dude, don't even <laughs> That was that was something we don't need to hang up anymore. You just you just do, you know, go on. But still, it was just like that is really, really tense. But Rick pulls him out and then then they're back on their on their the right place for the two of them, which is we have a thing to do. Let's do it. You go and I'm going to go draw the, the walkers away. And Daryl's like, no, you're not. That's a bad idea. And Rick's like, no, I'm, I got to save the bridge. And Daryl's like, uh, the bridge, the fucking bridge. (laughs) Let go of the fucking bridge. Rick's like, the bridge is, the bridge is a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) And Daryl's like, fine, go save your damn metaphor. I'm going the other direction. And so Rick, Gets a horse and rides out, and then zombies. Right, and then and then the horse throws Rick, and Rick lands on the only convenient sharp object for about ten feet in any direction. Well, here's here's something else. Again, I am rewatching right now, and uh, I noticed that when they drive, like when they go past the uh, turnoff to go to to Alexandria. They pass that pile of rubble, and that's where Rick says, you've gone too far, you've missed the turn, is right by that pile of rubble. So it's foreshadowed, but you wouldn't catch it, you wouldn't necessarily catch it unless you are rewatching it as I'm recording this right now. That's cool. (laughs) So anyway. So yeah, yeah, Rick ends up with a a piece of uh, rebar Mm -hmm. through his 
side. Not, I mean, I think that it's like, it doesn't look like that. I mean, it's not like in his side. It's more like in his side, you know? Yeah, it, but un- unfortunately, you know, it's it's thrown from a horse, land on your back, puncture wound. Right. Uh, this, is, this is not something the human body is designed to take particularly well. So Rick passes out. Mm-hmm. As the walkers descend. Yeah, they're closing in from two different roads. Now, there's one thing we haven't talked about. Uh-oh. We're gonna, we'll, we'll leave Rick in peril and go back to a scene with Jadis. Oh, right, and... Jadis and Gabriel. I forgot about that. Yeah, so last week, Gabriel discovered that despite the fact that Jadis is great in bed, she crazy. She also has her. She she crazy, and she has her own agenda, and this other group out there in the world, and and how Gabriel might be an A instead of a B. Whatever, whatever yeah. rating system these guys are using, and how Rick is an A, and she has plans for Rick. Right. So, so she basically looks at looks at uh, Gabriel and says, um, you know, I gotta go. And Gabriel's like, you really don't? She's like, no, I really do. And sorry about the whole, you know, thinking I, you mattered to me more than whatever this other thing does. Yeah. And what is it? If you have to... Or, yeah, if you have to travel far, go together. If you have to travel fast, go alone. And, and she has to travel fast. And so she leaves Gabriel at the junkyard. Right. But couldn't kill him. She was going to kill him. She was going to feed him to Walker. And he convinced yeah. her not to. So my thought here, and this is how this is how Rick leaves the show, and comes back later when they need him to. Oh, so Rick is injured. He's being the walkers are closing in. This is my prediction for next week. Now you and I both know our you you of course in the early days of our written reviews you regularly. Uh, Maybe, gave us yeah. predictions uh, of dubious quality. Right. And that was intentional. We were trying to amuse. <laughs> but yes. this, is my, this is my serious prediction for what's going to happen next week. Jadis is going to rescue Rick. Oh. And, and take him away in the helicopter? What, and take him away in the helicopter. And that's going to be... And someone's going to see it. One of our, one of our, our cast is going to see Rick being taken away and they're not going to know what to do because he's been flown away in a helicopter and the world has changed suddenly there's helicopters now. right and and rick is gone and there's nothing they can do about it which leaves them open to andrew lincoln returning when when it's time he feels like when he feels like he has a minute when he would like to you know i've spent enough time with my family i can go back to the states for six months i think because instead of instead of just killing rick off I think, which I think, I think that would be a mistake for them. Yeah. I mean, we saw what happened when they killed Madison off over on Fear of the Walking Dead. And I just read an interview with her, was it WalkerCon or whatever, one of the the Walking Dead conventions, where she, they asked her if she was going to come back. And she said, as far as I'm aware, the character isn't coming back. And I'm moved on, I moved on to other projects. And she goes, you know, I'm not saying she can't, but I'm saying that as, you know, as of now, you know, I've got a career to do and I'm over here yeah. doing this stuff. I've got, to, I've got to do other things. And so, you know, which I think we've, and we've talked, we talked about how that would, we expected her to come back because that would have been, you know, if we had been writing the show and. Yeah. All the signs were there. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and it would have been it would have been it could have been a very well done return, but that's not what they went. And okay, that's fine. Right. I, I okay. So that's your theory. That's my. Would theory. you like to hear my theory? Go forth, sir. So they reminded us this week that Rick said, like he was like, I never asked anyone to follow me. You know, I never, I never asked anyone. So I think Rick is going to somehow get these walkers to follow him and he's going to be you know walking these walkers out away from people slowly but surely and like every time that they try and like you know 
like there's some something like you know there's a explosion carol blows somebody up or you know or you know maggie and negan have a really loud yelling argument or whatever and the walkers start to like get turned away rick's gonna be like no follow me follow me and like get him back on track and stuff and he's gonna like walk them out start walking them away from the communities and he is gonna die while walking and just walker rick is gonna lead the walker herds these two giant herds away from the settlements that would be very full of symbolism yes that's why I think I think it's so on the nose and beating over the head that I think that's exactly what the show's <laughs> going to do. Oh god, I hope not. Uh, I like my version better. I do like your version better too. I think that's a really great thing. I think that would be awesome if that happened. I think I think the potential there to open it back up because at some point we're yeah. gonna, they're well we're I think have to deal with that other group with the helicopter and you know and I think giving Andrew Lincoln an in to come back is really a good idea and you know because I think I I know that's what they're going to do with Maggie Maggie's going to go off with that lesbian and her record collection <laughs> right and you know that's going to give her the opportunity to come back you know once her terrible CBS show fails. Well, and I think I think that with Rick, it ends up being it ends up serving the same purpose of the character dying, mm-hmm. in that they're going to have to deal with a world without him. But at the same time, it leaves the opportunity for him to return and enables them to deal with whatever group took him in the first place. Right, because that becomes your whatever whenever that because that conflict isn't coming soon. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've got the whispers to deal with. So whenever that conflict does arise, you can go two, three years down the line, assuming the show survives, which we'll talk about in a minute too. <laughs> you know, you could still you could have him be revealed as being a captive or or the new leader of this place yeah. because he took it over or whatever it is. Um, I, I think I think it leaves a very real uh, storytelling possibilities that still gets the 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 cast of The Walking Dead in the same position of a life without Rick. So, now, that said, the ratings this season... Have not been so great. Oh, they've been terrible. It's about half the ratings from, like, the first several seasons. It's been really, really down. Now, there's a couple of... There's a lot of different reasons for this that a lot of different people have put forth. It could be everything from, you know, the fall-off that started when Glenn was killed. Uh Uh-huh. Because a lot of viewers sat there and went, I'm out! I'll never watch this show again. And they meant it. And there's also sort of this, there's a fatigue factor that sets in with shows that run for a very long time. The show is, this is, we're in season nine. Yeah. You You know, there's a fall off that just happens. There's a relentless kind of, uh, thing that happens with serial storytelling which is that if you miss an episode, it's hard to get caught back in. Um, if you if they're if they're spreading a story out to actually fit a season, sometimes the pace can be a turnoff for folks. A lot of folks have, and I think I said this last episode. Like they they should really honestly be looking for a way to wrap this show up. Like you know, nine years is a good like that is a good run for a psych, for a you know a horror drama. That's a good run. Oh, yeah. Well, honestly, I think that if, if it was me, and again, you know, we, we've established the fact that the Walking Dead folks do, have not consulted us on a lot of things, including the writing. But I would give it one more year, and I would use this year, do the whispers thing for the rest of the season. Uh-huh. You know, Rick is gone, off to nowhere in the helicopter, deal with the whispers, bring Negan out to help fight the whispers. You know, and then next season, you build into the final episodes of encountering the group with the helicopter. And the last episode, you reveal that Rick is still alive in some way or or another. And they're reunited. That's what you do. Yeah. Or, you know, (laughs) do do another good time jump. You know, time jump 15 years in the future and, you know... 
you know, Judith is at boarding school and everybody's <laughs> having a great time, you know. Having it, doing a time jump to take us into the world that they build, the future world, I think would actually be a good thing for the end of this show. Now, I know that the plan, however, is to probably eventually merge Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead into a single show and then have spinoffs and movies and all the things. And I don't know. I mean, as much as as much as you and I started off hate watching this show, and as much as we have had sequences of episodes where we thought things were going really well and parts of Fear of the Walking Dead we've enjoyed and hated and, and all those things. Are we are we reaching are we reaching the played out point here? For I mean, for Walking Dead? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, I think... Okay. I, like I said, I feel like this show should, like, they should not be saying, oh, what are we going to do to get, you know, to deal with Rick being gone for all of those episodes we're going to be doing down the road? They should have said, okay, well, Andrew Lincoln wants to leave. Uh, time to wrap... Uh, he's our main character. Time to wrap up the show. <laughs> You know, yeah. and then they could have done, you know, they've got Fear of the Walking Dead still floating around out there. They could have, you know, and there's, you know, like we've talked about, there's always been a plan to, we think the plan is to, you know, mash those shows together. So, like, you know, just freaking do that. Just like, okay, Andrew Lincoln left, so Walking Dead is over. So now, Fear of the Walking Dead and Walking Dead are one show, and let's mash all these people, all the people who want to stay, who don't want to, like you know, go off and do other things. Poor poor Melissa McBride, for as much as I love her on the show, she gave up acting like 30 years ago. The only reason she played <laughs> Carol, she's, she's a casting director. The only reason that she started playing Carol right. in the first place is because Frank Darabont was like, hey, will you be this background character until we can kill her off in season three? And she was like, sure, why not? I've got a friend who can pay T-Dog. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's as much as, I, I completely understand, you know, AMC wanting to make yeah. the thing go on for as long as it can. But, you know, yes, the comic book is going on forever. There's just no no question. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just... Well, I want to... I mean, for the for the purposes of this show, of our show, we would we should continue it as... We should... As long as they want to flog this undead horse, we should let them. Yeah, I think that uh, there's there's a lot... Well, and we've done this before, obviously. You know, we've we've teen-wolfed, and we've Santa Clarita dieted, and, and done all the things. Oh, by the way, um, uh, one of the stars of Teen Wolf is in Butcher's Block, Channel Zero's oh, third well... season. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's Holland Roden. Right. Yeah, she's she was actually really good in it. So anyway, so yeah, that's kind of where we are. Rick is in danger. Whether he lives or dies, we'll find out next week on Fear the Walking Dead. No, wait, The Walking Dead. Oh no, it's... yeah, burger, burger, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out next week what's going to happen there. So yeah. Ah, oh, good to have you back, sir. Good to be back. And this is the first night that you're recording with your new microphone and new sound yes. system. So hopefully we will be sounding better the last several weeks dealing with the technology and, and internet phone and yeah. all that stuff. And sickness. And this sickness. The plague. So, I had the plague. The flu. The flu, not the stomach flu. There's a difference. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. So yes. We will be back next week with more Zompocalypse Now. Obviously, uh, if you are listening to this, you are following us on podcast.com or iTunes. If you give us a rating, um, that would be fantastic. That sort of stuff helps people find us on the, in the wonderful world of podcasting. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, you can should also listen to our sister podcast, Family Movie Nightmare, which I record with my very own spawn child, Nikki. And uh, that's a we're currently doing the Channel Zero series of show of Channel Zero series uh, where I'm getting ready to start the fourth season coming up here. And we're having a good time. And it's always cool doing the thing with my kid. And so, yeah, 
Uh, we hope you listen to both shows and pro- help promote both shows because that would be cool. And, uh, you know, we'd like more people to listen because that's what we do. So, as always, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. And we'll see you guys next week with more Zompocalypse Now. Yay! Zompocalypse Now is recorded and produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey. All rights reserved.